0: Hello and welcome to SaaS Marketing Insights, the show where we ask SaaS founders, CEOs, marketers and investors about the lessons they've learned in their quest to grow their companies. My name is Paul Stevenson and I'm founder and CEO of SaaS marketing agency 47 Insights. On today's show, I have an interview with Craig Fitzpatrick, founder and CEO of drag and drop website builder, PageCloud. Hope you enjoy it. And I'm pleased to have with me today here at SAS North Craig Fitzpatrick, uh, CEO of PageCloud.
1: Yes, founder and CNA? Founder and CEO, yeah. Excellent, excellent. But uh, this is not your first business. No, I'm a lifer. Um, I was a child (laughs) nerd. Uh, I started writing code when I was about nine years old and uh, knew at a young age that I wanted to do this professionally and um, quit school. Not that I think everyone should do that, but that's what I did. And I started working professionally when I was 19. Now, fast forward a bunch of years, I won't tell you exactly how many, but um, PageCloud is the seventh startup that I've been a part of, second time as a founder, the first five I would consider my apprentice years, where I worked for the founders and learned the ropes before deciding to start my own. So
0: you learned on someone else's
1: money. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Great, and uh, PageCloud is relatively new, I guess, like you've been going since 2014? Yeah, September 1st, 2014, we opened our doors. Uh, The first year was R&D. So we've been in market with a product for just um, like a hair over two years now, I think.
0: Wow. Uh, yeah. So um, tell me what, what the genesis of PageCloud is. You know, what, what problem were you looking to solve that other people weren't already solving? It was... Because uh, you're in a
1: crowded space, uh, I right? know, exactly. <laughs> it was the problem that I affectionately refer to as the I hate WordPress problem. which is that um, WordPress obviously was a a miracle in its day. Uh, It's probably a 10 or 15-year-old product now and it powers a good chunk of the internet. I think we all know that. But um, it can be a frustrating experience and it's one that unfortunately um, is out of reach of a lot of people. Um, Technically? Technically, yeah. It costs not much of an option. Exactly. You have to to be pretty technical to do it yourself or you have to hire someone, which can be expensive and time prohibitive. And so um, I... It was like everybody, using a WordPress site to, to run another small business. And just every time I wanted to make a small change, like moving an image one inch to the right, uh, to, you know, I wanted to shoot myself. And so I thought there had to be a better way. And it started very organically as a hobby. I went home and I, I drew a red box in a browser because I was a technical guy. And I thought, I wonder how it feels if I could just write some code and make me drag it one inch to the right. And so I did that. And I, th- I said, that felt really good. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if I can just you know, type and make a text object. And I felt really good, too, and it just kept going, kept going. And and, uh, evenings and weekends, I'd put this little prototype together and started showing it to people um, uh, around the time I was wounding down another company, and they started losing their minds. And I thought, okay, here we go again. There's another startup. You uh, scratched uh, another itch that, that you had, and you found a lot of other people had it, too. A lot of other people. You know, I think we're in the midst of, well, not the midst, probably the beginning still, technically, of a very big sea change from putting stuff on the web being the domain of experts and uh, yes. professionals, agencies and so forth and programmers to what I will call the do-it-yourself era, which is very much like desktop publishing went through. Yeah. You remember uh, back in the day? Um, I was there for that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, me too. Yeah. You know, I used to marvel at uh, dot matrix printers and uh, programs like Paint Shop Pro. Yeah. And people would just love printing out like their own happy birthday cards or whatever. And they were horrible. The power of it. Whatever. The power of it. You felt <laughs> like <sense>. God. Exactly. <laughs> And, and it was awesome, and I think that we just live in a different time now where the web is truly the greatest medium that we've ever known. Mm. Um, and it's replaced paper. Mm. Essentially, it's just a new medium. and But the tools to create and publish online are, have still been pretty, I would call them almost like printing presses.
0: Yeah,
1: A lot of work to get them set up, to print out, to, to, to build a page. A lot to go wrong. Exactly, and it really should just be drag and drop and WYSIWYG and everything. Yeah. So we're going to usher that in. Oh, I'm glad someone is. Yeah. Uh, so
0: yeah, you've got um,
1: Wix and Squarespace.
0: Do you compete with those guys?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, um, I would say you know Wix, Squarespace, uh, WordPress, probably the top three. Uh, there's a few others in there like Weebly. And, and, and oh, what about Weebly? <laughs> yeah, Weebly's a, got a pretty good um, user base. But um, more specifically, we're it's really just us and Wix. I think right now that are the serious product contenders in what I will call the visual design category. Mm. Because everyone else, like your WordPress, your Squarespace, Weebly, et cetera, are very much uh, template-driven. They're very CMS database-driven. And so you start with a template, you fill in the blanks, Mm. you feel really good, right up until that point where you want to change something, and then you get very frustrated. And so between us and Wix, um, we both let you do this. Yeah. Um, but you know, Wix is a very large company. They're a public company. They're probably pushing 10 years old or 12 years old now. And we have the advantage of a fresh set of eyes. So we're the new kids on the block. Um, we're the underdogs. We're the underdogs. you got to root for the underdog, right? <laughs> exactly. And we have the luxury of starting over. And so we asked ourselves, okay, so there's some tech out there and it kind of works, but if, if we started over with a blank sheet of paper, what, would we do it? what is the tool of our dreams? <laughs> And that's wow. why we started building. So you built your dream. Yeah, exactly. In process. And, and build it, and they will come, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You got to figure out how to market it too, but yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's that. That's the key. So, um, you know, how are you going to tackle, you know, a business like Wix and and you know, I don't know whether you'll win customers from them or is the market big enough? There's plenty of people coming into it, so you'll you'll just find your your segment. Are you, you know, how how is your value prop? different from
1: theirs? Mm. Um, so there's a few questions in there you know I mean from a market point of view it's an absolutely massive market I yeah. mean Wix uh, I've, I read a study a year ago or something I think they were saying they had between 4 and 6% market share so they're still kind of the, ba- the baby too <laughs> yeah. uh, we live in a WordPress world so far yeah. and it's us all trying to be the next WordPress yeah, yeah. right even well, maybe Squarespace doesn't say that because they're probably sort of comparable but I think Wix and I uh, and us would say that Um, but it's a massively growing market, too. There's still only half the world's businesses that are on the web, and so... That's phenomenal. You know, (laughs) you'd think that everybody who who needs a website already has one. That's not the case. We've partnered with domain guys like Cows and Hover, and, and they tell us that their data shows that the consumption of new domain names is not only increasing linearly, but it's accelerating. So just, we're still in this growth phase of mm. putting content on the web so it is a big world and we could build a very large billion dollar business just pulling in new customers that have never had a website before. Yeah. yeah now as it turns out of course companies do get displaced and we get a bunch of our customers i think 40 percent of our customers actually come from wordpress so these are people who have tried it got frustrated with this cms experience and yeah. wanted to have a visual design experience we also pull some customers from squarespace and from wix of course yeah. at the end of the day it's all about um you know, technically, we all do the same thing. We all put things on the internet for you. Yeah. But it's about what is the experience going to be like for you as a user while doing that. Yeah. And what we obsess over is making that just a joyous experience for you to so be creative. So the whole user experience. Absolutely. That's, that's our secret yeah. sauce. That's what we focus on.
0: Because WordPress, you know, so I've been using WordPress since 2007. Uh, and I, I still can't believe that it hasn't changed that much in that time. I know they've got this... Is it, Project Gutenberg that they're working on. Yep. They're, they're, it sounds like they're hinting about making it more drag and drop, but they've got quite a lot of legacy there that they, they just can't reinvent themselves in the same way that, exactly. that a new player can.
1: Right, and so that's the challenge, right, is when you become successful, uh, you create your own legacy, yeah. um, and that's a double-edged sword. And, and as I said, we, we have the benefit of uh, starting from a blank sheet of paper, and so we, we don't have to fight that. We just get to imagine what it should be like um yeah
0: great thanks uh, thanks for uh, filling me in or bringing me up speed on uh mm-hmm. Page Cloud. i i knew a little bit about it but uh, i think i have to probably like get my feet wet and it's one play. of those things
1: that you, you literally, literally have to Experience try it, it. it's, it's experiential. an experiential it's, it's totally experiential <laughs> absolutely and um you know people ask me all the time how are you different so for example and uh, what i usually tell them is you'll see yeah. Just try do it. it. <laughs> There's a free trial there. It's one of those things that you just feel. Yeah. Um, you know, I use all sorts of analogies like, you know, cars, for example. Yeah. Technically, all cars do the same thing. They got yeah. Four wheels, a trunk. They'll get you from point A to point B. Um, some car companies sell on specs, so they'll sell on gas mileage or performance. But at the end of the day, uh, what most people make a purchase decision on mm-hmm. is how that car makes them feel. Yeah. Is this the one I want to own? Is this yeah. the one I want to drive every day? That's great. I hadn't thought about it like that. Yeah. Um... So can
0: I ask you something about, um, yeah, so you said about the free trial. How long is your free trial in terms of, like, duration? It's two weeks. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Did you uh, try different timescales? Because I speak to a lot of business and work with uh, SaaS businesses, and it's always like, well, what's the ideal length? And, the, you know, everybody seems to do 14, 15 days, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but but nobody seems to
1: talk about the science behind that. yeah. I assume there is a whole science behind it. We we haven't experimented on that yet. We experiment on a lot of different things. Yeah, we're a very metrics-driven company, um, and we look at those metrics to as our scorecard to tell us yeah. how good are we at making this tool that you know yeah. our customers yeah. absolutely love. And but it's funny. I was just at a talk earlier today uh, at the conference here um, about the difference between a startup and a scale up and the different things you focus on. And there's a sort of order to it. So. Uh, Before you worry so much about optimizing little things like um, boost the price a dollar or take it down a dollar or, you know, take your trial from two weeks to three weeks to four weeks or whatever, you really want to make sure that uh, you've got the core uh, experience right. Yeah. And then you start tweaking. So, so, you
0: know, the product has product market fit. Product's got to be right. Yeah. It's got to deliver on the promise. Yeah. And then... The rest is
1: it's merchandising, right? Exactly. Optimization. <laughs> exactly. So that's not to say that we haven't done a bunch of that. I mean, we've had our marketing programs running for the last two years, and we A/B test messaging and yeah. graphics and audience building and all sorts of things. But a um, few still left to do. You know, price testing and um, trial testing and a whole bunch of other things. So sure. it's a never-ending journey.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's just iteration. So uh, on that journey uh, of changing things, have you? come across something in the, in the course of your marketing experiments that bombed terribly or worked fantastically and then you sort of dug a
1: bit deeper into, into that? Hmm, good question. Something that bombed. Um, we certainly tried a bunch of things that haven't, we haven't been able to make work yet. Yeah. Uh, I think that's kind of the definition of a marketing bomb, I sense. Is <laughs> it, maybe that you spent some money and you, didn't, you <laughs> didn't get anything out of it. It's more like a fizzle. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, our, our history is that we entered the market doing a lot of advertising, um, paid digital, so yeah. Facebook, Google, etc. cetera. Yeah. A lot of startups, um, they go right for content organic marketing, yeah. which is, can be a great channel. Yeah. And what I find most people don't realize, and I have a very strong opinion on this, is that um, it isn't necessarily that one channel is better than the other, it's that they act and behave differently. Yeah. And what, why we chose paid advertising to pull us into the market was its rapid gestation period. So we can wake up at 9 o'clock in the morning and run an experiment. And then by 9 a.m. the next day, we know if it worked. Mm. Did we get the creative right? Did we send it to the right people, et cetera, et cetera? And we pay for that knowledge. Mm. Um, and you do that like 100 times before you start to figure things out. Yeah. Um, then as you're starting to transition into the scale phase company, well, then you're looking at unit economics. Like, well, how much does it cost me to acquire each customer and so forth? And so other channels can be better. Content marketing, for example, um, tends to be a channel where it's um, a heavier push up front to get going. Uh, It's the gift that keeps on giving. Once you get it going, you can build an audience and that that can sustain you. Um, But because we knew that we had a lot to figure out, we wanted that rapid turnaround. Now that we're on more sure footing, we're starting to feel pretty good about our customers are telling us what they like, what they don't like. We've got a stable base, etc. We're starting to shift gears now and diversify from paid acquisition to organic acquisition. And the holy grail, of course, is you get your product experience so good that customers start pulling you into the market. Yeah, it's just brand awareness. Exactly. They
0: find you because they already know about you. Exactly. Um, That's great. And that's not a typical path that that I hear about. So you guys bootstrapped?
1: No, we're venture funded. Uh, We've done a few small rounds leading up to a Series A last uh, summer, So okay. about a year and a half ago. So that's how you paid for the ads. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we also had a gangbusters pre-sale campaign. And this is um, something else that not a lot of companies do. But I think SaaS is um, one of those businesses that's ideally suited for this. When I say pre-sale campaign, what I mean is basically a Kickstarter. Yeah. Where you have a demo of a product. You have a vision. Um, you know that when you launch, you're going to be able to come come up with some sort of you know, perks or gifts or something yeah. to reward these people who are essentially get this founder status kind of thing. And so we did one of those because we were finalists at a show called TechCrunch, which you've yeah. probably heard of. And so that got us this kind of big bang moment. The funny thing about big, um, traditional, not that they're traditional media, but media blitzes like that is that you're like famous for 24 hours and then nothing. <laughs> so, uh, sustaining it is up to you, yeah. but we used that to push out a presale campaign. And, um, We offered a two-thirds discount to people who signed up early, six months early, in fact, because we were going to launch six months from then. And we said, we'll give you two-thirds off if you buy now. We'll give you early access to new upgrades and so forth and a few other perks. We'll grandfather your pricing for as long as you own your site. And we pre-sold, I forget how many customers it was, but it was around $1.6 million Canadian at a $99 price point. That's a lot of customers. Yeah, so when we (laughs) opened our doors on launch day... Or not launch day, but when the fi- product was finally done, yeah. um, we were in revenue. Um, we had figured out at least a good chunk of our marketing game. and we That's were really we were a going concern.
0: Yeah. So, um, why don't more people do it? It's, ball- yeah. it's ballsy, though. It's a it ballsy is. thing well, to do. Well, it forces
1: you to think through some important things. Yeah. Like, um, I believe you should start marketing six, me- six months before you put out a product. Because if you wait until the day the product's ready, now you've got a six-month lag time to figure that out. Yeah. And you're a sitting duck. Yep. You're probably burning cash. Yeah, People yeah. who are watching you after the big launch and they expecting things to copy. blow up, yeah, they think you're failing. Yep. And it's not that you're failing. It's that it takes six months to ramp. Yeah. So time it so that you ramp six months in advance. Yeah. Now that is a great marketing insight.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, one more question um, for you around, uh, this time, personal growth insight. So uh, you've been a founder. You've started many businesses. Um, you've learnt a lot on your journey just wondered if there was a, a habit or something you, you do to make sure that uh, you, know, you don't uh, let it all get on top of you mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. it's really easy to just like, be responding to uh, emails at 3am and all that crazy shit yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I just wondered you know, what's your way of coping, how do you make sure that uh, you, know, you keep work life balance and good me- mental and physical state
1: um, I don't know if there's one silver bullet, but there's a few that come to mind as you ask that question. I, um, I've definitely learned some things about how to um, you know, keep going because uh, it is hard and it can swallow you whole. You know, One thing, for example, is it's a, I feel, from what I've read, I feel like it's a little bit like being a stock car driver. Like apparently, these guys have to be in peak physical condition because driving a car at 200 miles an hour around a track is very physically demanding. I've never tried it personally. But I've read about it. And um, so, you know, making sure you get the right amount of sleep, that you work out, you know, treat your body right, watch your diet, all these things, just to Mm -hmm. literally stay healthy. That's one thing uh, that's foundational. The other thing I find is that as you get so busy, especially as the company starts to grow and you've got a bunch of employees and and high stakes and everything. um, I don't know what they call this. I'm sure there's a term for it, but you tend to feel guilty if you're not sort of running, ticking things off the to-do list every single day for as many hours in the day as you can. And what I found is that's a trap because mm. uh, especially if you're a leader, if you're a CEO or founder, you have to carve out chunks of time to just think. Yeah. And because uh, you're getting all this sensory input from all different directions, 360 degrees. And you don't have enough time to process you it. You cannot. Mm. And so uh, it's a danger that you can run really, really, really fast in the wrong direction if you don't pause for a moment, put your head up, look around and say, am I even going in the right direction? Um, so that would be another one. And then maybe a third one would be um, a, a single person doesn't scale, so you have to choose your generals very carefully—the people that you're going to delegate to and um, trust your your crown jewels with, essentially. Um, That's good British advice. Function. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Craig. For more info on PageCloud, please visit www.pagecloud.com. Next week, I'll be talking with Kemia Hamidi, co-founder and CEO at Ghostit. For more info about this show and to get our links to iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and YouTube, please visit www.47insights.com slash podcast. And if you have any SaaS marketing insights that you'd like to share on the show, get in touch via that page. Until next time.